Welcome to Voices in Physics, a podcast that explores the culture in physics through interviews with people in the field. So thank you for sitting down with me to talk about your experiences in the physics community. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself before we start? Hello, listener. I am currently a graduate student in a large research university, and I graduated um, from an all-women's liberal arts school about three years ago. And you're an international... And yes, I'm an international student. student. Great. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, what attracted you to physics in the first place? Okay, so I think up until 10th grade, physics was my weakest subject. <laughs> I was like great in like all the other science subjects like physics, chemistry, no, chemistry, biology, but for some reason... Like, I used to suck at physics. <laughs> but then I got an amazing teacher going into 11th grade. And I guess you need good teachers to make a difference in your life. And I guess he sort of showed me that how interesting physics is. Like, you can basically explain almost every aspect of the physical world. Like, from, you know, how gal- galaxies work to... You know, which is something very large and macroscopic to like subatomic particles. And Mm. that sort of encouraged me to take um, physics as a major in college. And, uh, you know, the rest is history and now in grad school. (laughs) Great. So what about, was this teacher in, at this point, was this in the U.S. or was this in your No, this was in Bangladesh. I'm from Bangladesh, so. And were you aware that women are underrepresented in physics? Were you? No, this was sort of like an alien concept to me because again I think I don't want to speak for South Asia as a whole but I think I get the same sort of impression from friends from India or Pakistan like no one sort of discourages you from getting into any kind of profession if you're a woman so I was like completely unaware that there is even such a thing as you know gender gap in the sciences because like I said like you can be whatever you want no one really stops you yeah it's a different thing that women tend generally tend to be there generally tends to be like a smaller number of women like in the hard sciences but it's mostly out of choice like people prefer to be doctors or engineers like something that will make you money more easily compared to like doing something philosophical like oh becoming a researcher or doing pure research related science so um, do you think do you think it was a, a common thing for women to be to choose not to do physics and do something that would earn them a lot of money? No, I think that applied to uh, men and women as a whole. Like you don't hear a lot of people, oh, we're researchers because it's like um, a reputation thing for parents because they tell you, oh, we'd rather prefer you be a doctor or an engineer because we can go tell all our friends, hey, (laughs) our son or daughter is a doctor and he earns such and such amount of money. (laughs) So it was like, it was sort of like not a gender gap per se. It was just like... Maybe not valued. Like a holistic gap because, yeah, exactly, because it's not valued as much. The same, I think, applies, like going a little uh, sidetrack, it applies to like other fields like music or like studying literature because you don't earn enough. Along similar lines, did you did you have any role models in physics, either personal family members or historical figures that you admired and said, 
this is what I can imagine myself being or doing? I I think it's not like particularly an historical, you know, figure in physics. I think I really admired Marie Curie because she I thought it was awesome that she got two Nobel prizes and um I'd be like, oh, I, I just thought to myself, and oh, no, it'd be cool to be a women scientist. Yeah. And also, I think I have an older brother. He's also a physicist. And I think he also played a role sort of in my decision. Not that I felt forced, but, you know, I, he used to come back home from college and he told me all the cool things he learned and told me about quantum mechanics and stuff. And I got more interested into actually getting into physics so you have this um amazing teacher in 11th grade mm-hmm. and he says you know you can explain all these phenomena and mm-hmm. it's all within the framework of physics mm-hmm. and then you go to college and you decide to major in physics mm-hmm. uh, and what, what was that like i had i had a good experience in general and also i'm sort of grateful that i went to a small liberal arts college because uh, faculty there takes a lot more care of students like they actually care a lot more about teaching and also because um, the class sizes are so small that sort of helps in the process of it all and I also liked sort of the structure of the exams we took like it was a take-home exams like I like take-home exams and in-class exams like they're both difficult but I feel like um, for take-home exams, to a certain extent, like they teach you to think a lot more than in-class exams because it, it's they, or at least the exams I took, they were more creative, which made it harder. Yeah, and we were given like a course of two days to finish the exam, so it really taught me. So it sort of helps you segue into research because you have to be creative when you're doing research. And did you have any research experiences in undergrad? Yes, I. Th- start I think I did an RU my very first summer and then the year after that I was at Stone um my junior year I was I did an RU at the material research uh department and UC then the following year I did my uh senior thesis so yeah I was always engaged okay so it sounds like you had a very encouraging beginning Mm -hmm. the RUs are actually very competitive and also much harder for an international student because they won't fund, like NSF won't fund you because that's a federal funding source. So like there's literally like a list of 20 or maybe 30 RUs nationwide that only take international students. So Right. So you got yeah. you got this competitive opportunity. You mm-hmm. go and, and uh, presumably it went okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, right? and, but the UC one, like... Um, I had to apply for a separate fellowship to fund that one. So I I got the funding like separately from my college and because I had the funding and I liked the faculty person's work a lot, so he let me join. Cool. So um that sounds like it took a lot of initiative on your part. Mhm. Yeah, it did. <laughs> that's that's I think that's awesome. All right. So Part of the project, part of it, is to figure out what is discouraging minorities and women from continuing mm-hmm. in physics. So along those lines, have you ever felt that you were judged uh, for reasons that had nothing to do with your performance or the quality of your work? Yes. So there are probably a couple of instances just along those lines. So 
one such event happened at my own college. So I really wanted to um, work in this particular faculty person's research lab. but And I also had taken a class with them. But it's it's still like so mysterious to me. I always felt like she, for whatever reason, did not like me. Maybe they thought I wasn't a good enough student or whatever the reason may be. But I still approached her because I was interested in the work she was doing and I wanted to get some experience working in her lab. And uh, she just flat out told me that she thinks I'm not a good fit. Like she didn't even let me try out. And she sort of like shut me off right there. And that was very strange and slightly discouraging right? because I don't know, because we never had a talk. I, I did find in her class and and yeah and ironically she was a woman so that that was even more surprising to me so i don't know what happened did she was she open to discussing further no i to me it felt like she made an excuse because she because because it didn't the the progression of things didn't seem logical to me like if it had been like oh i tried out but like i broke in something or we just had a big communication gap and then it didn't work out. She just like flat out told me that you won't be a good fit. And she didn't even try to make it like sound nice like that. Say something like, oh, I don't have room or I have way too many students. She was just like, no, I'm not going to be a good fit. And what was that effect on you? Like, I was very discouraged. Like I, it was not like I, I was doubting my ability because I had no research experience by then I was just very confused and again like I'm coming from a background where I was not aware about you know mistreatment of minorities and the sciences and that, that was I was just confused like it took me like at least a couple of years to figure out oh maybe she just I don't know just didn't like me for maybe she was biased for whatever reason. Did you talk to anyone about it? I did, but I talked to my roommate. But I didn't really talk to, you know, a faculty person or anything because I didn't know how to articulate my feelings because I was just like, oh, maybe she just doesn't like me and I brushed it off. But then it was just like a prolonged thing that happened. Like when I was applying for grad schools, she she actually did something horrible like she told me that I don't think you're gonna get in anywhere I just absolutely have no idea like I don't know what I did to this person (laughs) and then she's like yeah I don't think you would get into any of these schools and consider and she was like suggesting me like lower tier schools like I understand that rankings don't matter to, to a lot of extent but like at that time, I was like, okay, so you think I'm I'm so uh, unworthy that you would ask me to, like, reconsider my entire grad school list. So that was, that is the point I realized, like, that, that this person is biased for some reason. Why did, what made you feel that she was biased? Because this was flat out, like an example of how much she 
did not like me for whatever reason. And then I just thought about that. Oh, maybe I don't know. Like I'm a woman of color, but like she's she's a white woman. She comes from a family of physicists, and she's also relatively grew up in a very wealthy home. So it was just like, hmm, maybe it makes a little bit of a sense. And I'm from this third world country, you know. She thinks I'm from a third world country. Like I've traveled the world. I've traveled in a lot of and lived in a lot of different countries. But she doesn't know that, uh, and I don't think she would care to know that either. But either way, it just started to make sense a bit more. So part of what I'm curious about is um, you have this professor mm-hmm. who's discouraging you. But when I when I look at what you've told me, you, at this point, you've had three outside research experiences, all mm-hmm. of which were competitive, all of which took a great initiative on your part to achieve. Mm-hmm. I assume they went well. Did you, did you yeah. ask each of these advisors for letters of recommendation? Were they positive? Yes, I did ask for recommendations. And I did later found out, find out, but... I mean, although we sign a waiver, you're not supposed to find these things out. But I came to know that they gave me like very good recommendations, including the faculty I did my senior thesis with. And yeah, going back to her, she was very helpful to me throughout the grad school process, because after this other um, faculty person discouraged me so much, I told her about everything. Um, This is your advisor? Yeah, my research advisor. In college, I told her about everything and um, I, about my second experience because it was just like she was blatantly upset with me or biased or whatever. Um, and I told her about this and then she sort of helped me get back up so that I, you know, go through the entire process. And she also went to a women's college and uh, she was she was a fresh new faculty at the time. Like she sort of, you know, helped me get my spirits up and uh, we worked through our, you know, list. And she was she was so helpful because at that time I thought I'd be doing biophysics and she was helping me look through really great biophysics programs. And she was she was a sweetheart. She was really nice to me and very supportive. Was there anything else that really helped you feel like, yeah, I can continue. I'm, you know, I can do this. I think just the fact that I just didn't settle to do physics, like I really liked something about it. And I guess, I mean, I explained this earlier, like I like it enough that it's not enough for just what other people think of me to get me out of it. I mean, I also realize that I'm not the best at it, but I I like it enough that I will stick with this. Do you, do you imagine any institutional changes or... Can you imagine ways in which that whole situation could have been either avoided or made much better? Like that specific incident? Yeah, and I know it's I know it's a weird question. I think when it's related to like a faculty member and like they s- tell you something really harsh or something that really catches you off guard, you can't really tell anything to that person because there is like a like an imbalance of power. And yeah, it's yeah. Unfortunately, there's nothing you can do at the moment. But what you can do is, I guess, look for a support system outside. Talk to a faculty member who you're comfortable talking to. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be a research advisor. It can be anyone. 
can be someone in your committee or just like someone who you took a class with but you just like them as a person because they're approachable Mm -hmm. and if it affects you deeper than you thought it would then i'd suggest go to therapy which i have done by the way (laughs) i think that's healthy yeah um okay but most of those are sort of like personal yeah personal and and how to cope with Mm -hmm. something um but you don't see maybe you don't see any immediate ways to change the system by which i mean yeah so changing the system the only thing i could think of is like i think faculty members should like have to go through like like take a course or something that sort of informs them about you know all these issues the the you know the gender gap or you know the experiences that minorities go through and Mm -hmm. how they say certain things or how they treat a certain person can affect their psyche or discourage them i'm sure we can mm-hmm. <laughs> organize courses like that or like a two week long training session or something you know like i know like it's hard to change one's personality you know beyond a certain age but at least if they're aware of all the things that they're doing wrong and actively making sure they don't you know, do a certain act or say something, I think that'd be helpful. Okay. Do you have other incidents that you'd like to talk about? Mm. <laughs> I, I, is this because there's so many that you have to yeah. choose? Yeah, <laughs> it's just like um, trying to think of big ones. I think those were the only two incidents that happened while I was in college. There's quite a few in grad school, unfortunately, um, because it was such a polar it's like such a polar opposite like i came from an all women's institution to a place where i see more men way more men than women so i feel like the biggest difference just as an intro was that i feel like when you're surrounded by women who are also doing sciences you you don't naturally feel discouraged because you know you have so many women who are like on the same boat you know they want the same things as you and we're all supporting each other we all want we're sort of rooting for each other you know I remember doing homeworks with like a dozen women and we were I think a dozen (laughs) physics majors it was so much fun and we learned so much from each other but it was sort of very different when I came to grad school first of all or maybe I don't know if it's a gender thing, but it's probably a personal thing. I, I think I get get along more easily with women than men. So having that sort of camaraderie was already a little bit difficult. And on top of that, um, a lot of these men, I don't know if it's maybe it's the culture in physics or I don't know what, but they all are way too aggressive. <laughs> like... What do you mean? They don't, they sort of don't want to help you out. I don't know necessarily if it's it's because I'm a woman or or just of the opposite gender or something. I always felt left out. Like I couldn't go and ask people for help or advice or anything. And And this is other students or professors? Yeah, I'm just talking just about the students right now. Like, the sense of community that I had, it, it was just lost all of a sudden when I just started. I felt very alone. 
for I think at least two years and yeah and I remember we had this homework assignment once and um, well, one of my male classmates and I we were just standing outside the classroom waiting to get in and then he asks something about um, question on a previous homework that we just submitted and he was saying that oh did you find this one error in the homework and I was like oh yeah I figured it out and then he was like oh well good for you if even if you didn't figure it out I wouldn't tell you like I don't know why he said that but it was just so surprising first of all I barely talked to this person and that is the first thing he decides to tell me I thought it was kind of rude and funny but like this is just how maybe the culture is like you're just way too aggressive right and so he, too competitive so you went from an environment in which people were helping one another you said it was fun mm-hmm. um you learn you were learning from each other yeah and then you go to this place where this random guy this classmate mm-hmm. will walk up to you and say oh well, if you hadn't figured it out, I wouldn't have told you. I yeah. would not have helped you. Yeah, I, I I thought that was just so weird. You weren't even asking for his no, help. And no. He initiated this whole interaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was just so strange. How did that make you feel? Confused. <laughs> like, what just happened? And then a few days went by. I just thought, I mean, I, 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 just, I still think it's funny. But in a, in a bigger context, it's not because I know it didn't affect me as much, but it could have affected anyone else very negatively, especially if you're any kind of minority, you know? And on top of everything, I was already feeling left out. So that didn't help (laughs) with uh, making me feel any more... Like welcome. Welcome, yeah. Did you talk to anyone about it or report it? No, I did not. At the time, it didn't seem like a big enough problem because I was struggling just uh, finding a community, if that makes sense. Like I was and there are like other incidents sort of like I feel like uh, another difference, which I realized with my college and the university that we were all sort of mingling together. Like we were there were white women there were women of color, like from different countries. We always hung out. We talked to each other. But here, I felt like there was sort of also a divide between like different groups of women. It's like, you know, the, the white women sort of like automatically did not talk to us. I remember um, actually actively trying to like make friends <laughs> at the time. So like, obviously, there'd be more men in a group. But like, there it was me and my current roommate she also feels feels the same thing so i'm speaking for her but she feels exactly the same way i did so we we would be in a group trying to you know break the ice trying to actually talk to these people but we were actively ignored no one talked to us in the group like we would try to make conversation but no one would respond or sort of like look at us and not say anything back so that's sort of like you know discouraged me even more to go and make friends within my own cohort and I guess the both of us we were on the same boat now we're just like best friends <laughs> we stick together um so yeah we sort of sort of felt the same thing like with the white women and the Asian women just kept to themselves it's sad but it's this is how segregated we are and now 
now my roommate and I we're both South Asian so like all these sort of like subgroups which is weird this is not how I imagined things to be like so yeah it was slightly weird yeah I don't know what to say to that that's so yeah bizarre yeah I, I, I initially thought that like how it was in college because I'm from a different background people would be more um, interested to know how mm-hmm. you know about my upbringing or where I came from and we'd be able to bond over that but didn't seem to work here at all um, or yeah that was very that was a cultural shock so usually I ask this question a little bit later but mm-hmm. I'll ask it now um, given what you've just told me do you do you feel like you belong in the physics community it's a very broad question i think it really depends on the people you're surrounded by like i've totally experienced that myself because i've changed groups and changed groups twice (laughs) and um it really like the people you're working with and like your research advisor like they can really make a huge difference into your sense of belonging because if you're with a person who constantly makes you feel like you're not doing enough although you are but you're not getting any form of not even appreciation it's more like acknowledgement that oh yes you're you're doing fine then that could be really discouraging Right, so if not receiving some kind of feedback, which is like... Yeah, you're doing fine. Or like, even if it's negative, like let's say even if you're slacking off, like because I had no idea how I was doing, the only thing I would get as a feedback is always like, oh, you're not doing this, you're not doing this, and you're not doing enough. Although virtually, looking back, I had done, you know, significant amount of work. And that's not a good thing. So... Like with my first advisor, he would just tell me that I think I was going to order like a bunch of optical fibers for some experiment and I ordered the wrong diameter uh, of optical fibers. And mm-hmm. I was always a condensed matter person. I've never done optics before, like AMO type research. So like all these equipments were so new to me and also it was my first year Mm -hmm. barely knew you know not that um yeah uh, amount of physics right or you know you were new to the field yeah very new to the field and amo was not my first choice but i decided to try it anyway because i couldn't get into the condensed matter research groups i wanted to so so amo is atomic molecular and optical physics so um so yeah i ordered the wrong size of optical fibers and he tells me that you are a grad student you are not supposed to make mistakes while ordering um materials like that's the least it's 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 the part of research that requires the least amount of brain power you shouldn't be making mistakes in ordering materials like something so he thought it was very straightforward were you working with a senior student or postdoc who could have verified the no order? i was working by myself um and okay so you make a mistake yeah and he says you're not supposed to be doing that you're not supposed to make a mistake as a grad student yeah with something which he thought was so menial 
Right. I mean, I, I, I get it. It's menial. But like I said, it was all new to me. I've never right. done optical experiments in my life yeah. at that point. It's a very simple mistake yeah. to make. Yeah. And it's also like they were not expensive. <laughs> also, they're not. Ex- <laughs> it's not like I ordered like $3,000 yeah. worth of like wrong materials and now I have to ship them all back or something. It's really not that big of a big deal. I think, yeah, I can imagine it was maybe like 50 bucks or something. Yeah. 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 And also because I ordered the wrong size, I also ordered the wrong size of like um, cable strippers mm-hmm. because you need to um, sort of um, Take shear, the shear off. off the outer casing. Yeah. It's like, and I was like, okay, that's you're something really small to get upset about, but okay, I understand. And then what happened? Did you continue to stay in the group, or did you? I mean, there there were so many instances with him, like I don't even remember because like first year <laughs> seems like so long ago, but I think he. I think we were talking about my summer poster and there was some concept that I didn't understand. And then he was like, why don't you get it? Like, you've been working with me for six months. You should understand this by now. And then he made me find the answer to this. And he was like, no, I'm not giving you the answer. You have to find out, find this out for yourself and tell me. Sure, it took me like a day to figure it out and I sent him a draft of my poster and he's like yes you have the answer but like that's like I'm not a child like don't tell me things like oh you should know this by now you've been working with me for six months why don't you know this right he was he was shaming you for not understanding something Mm -hmm. um and in the end you were able to figure it out yeah which which is fine I mean it's okay I think yeah my my take on that whole thing is the you know you need to go home and, and think about it or yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, Which spe- is fine. Spend a day, figure yeah. it out. That yeah. sounds like a positive learning experience. Yeah. But the, the shame associated with, why don't you know this already? Yeah. I had a professor in undergrad. He was a very successful person. Um, and he told me that he had an experience like that in grad school. Yeah. Where his advisor sort of yelled at him and said, you don't know this? And like shamed him about not knowing this thing. No, and it was like, it's... Um, I think the way he said it was, I think, the bigger problem because he seemed almost angry. And like, I was like, dude, there's nothing to be that angry about. OK, fine. I'm sorry. I don't know this, but I can I can learn it or we can have a discussion about it. Yeah. How did it make you how did it make you feel? I was scared half the time. I was like, OK, I'm going to send him an answer to this specific problem and then he's going to email me back with some something more corrosive or i don't know i was like scared the whole time and if you're scared or nervous you can't you can't think straight so i'm sure i could have figured that answer out in like half the time i did but his reaction just made things uh more nerve-wracking for me so it made the learning experience scary yeah did mm-hmm. you did you talk to anyone about this? A friend even? Yeah, I talked to um uh another person who was working for him in the lab and she was also having a lot of trouble with him. So we sort of <laughs> bonded over our personal experiences uh with him. So yeah, I mostly talked to her back then. And what about your second advisor? Okay, um 
so yeah, he was verbally not as corrosive maybe, but we had like different issues. Like we were just very different people and like he's very aggressive and I'm just like not a naturally aggressive person. I'm very calm and quiet. And yes, I will be assertive when I need to be, but I'm just like not aggressive and like I just don't challenge people in public and ask them like hard questions or something that's just not me but I think a lot of the problems stemmed because the difference in our personalities and also he would like when we would have individual meetings a lot of our individual meetings sort of sidetracked from us talking about the direction of my work to just personal remarks about my character and him saying that oh, you're not going to make it in this profession if you are this quiet. Like, you are a very soft person. And you you should be more dynamic. You shouldn't be that... Um, so part of what you're, you're talking about is that these individual meetings, where they... You would go into them thinking they're going to be about research. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Research directions, yeah. the course of the project, whatever. Yeah. And then he would sidetrack into giving you very personal critiques yeah which was kind of uncalled for like yeah i don't know um i i understand that um he meant well but like it almost seemed like he was worried for me because i wasn't a certain way which doesn't make sense again it's like it goes back to this whole culture of physics maybe he he felt like i it would be harder for me to make it in this business because i was just how i am okay and his solution was you should change who you are yeah in order to be successful yeah is that a fair yes i should change myself completely how did that make you feel First of all, I was just like, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> it it just can't. Like, I, I'm not that kind of a person. It's I know this is an extreme example, but it's like how they used to do in the 1950s. They sent you to, like, a straight camp <laughs> to get straight if you're gay. Oh, I see what you're saying. But it was I almost know, like a rehabilitation. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. I know it's probably not that extreme. I'm sure you can fake being a certain way, but it was just not, it didn't feel right. But I still decided to, like, push through it and make it work because I was like, oh, you know, I don't I don't really care if he doesn't like me as a person, if we can, you know, communicate about science and get the logistics of, you know, my thesis work in Mm -hmm. place. We're good. But then there were other problems like, I guess, was not a good work environment for me because he was very unavailable uh like like i don't like being micromanaged but i i do like hands-off work but i guess this was a different spectrum of (laughs) hands-off that wasn't helpful to me and when i was there it made me feel um inadequate like i wasn't good enough that that is actually the time when I really felt discouraged that I was probably not smart enough to do everything by myself and um because when you're in a situation like this you're so vulnerable like you're in the state of denial like 
I I now understand after switching for a second time that um, people like different work environments. Like what works for you will not work for someone else. But I took it. I I just uh, was too hard on myself. And yeah, I mean, it was just like really going downhill. Like I didn't have a thesis project and it didn't seem like I could graduate in a reasonable time if I stayed there. So I switched again. And I think it's worth talking about this a little bit. Um, you say you didn't have a thesis project. Mm-hmm. In the group, who was the person who would give you a thesis project? Was it coming from the advisor? Um, so here, I guess things worked a little differently, at least for me. I don't know about other people all that much who were previously a part of his group. I was expected to come up, brainstorm for my project, then have like a full-fledged framework. It was almost like writing like a mini informal like proposal. Uh, f- yeah, proposal, which is hard. And I mean, one good thing that did come out of it, it made me realize that I can do literature search. I can come up with ideas, which sort of encouraged me again. But then there's a difference between writing things on paper and then actually manifesting them in a timely fashion so that the student in question (laughs) can graduate in a reasonable amount of time. So, um, and in that group, like, uh, didn't seem like that was going to happen for me. So, and there were projects I wanted to work, work, work at, work in, but, you know, seemed like I was just told that no I can't be a part of those projects because other yeah. people were already on it so I, I was like you know what if I need a project doesn't matter where I graduate from I, I can definitely teach myself new physics um, and it's not that huge of a difference if I stay in condensed matter so I just like you know what I'm just going to <laughs> switch right. so in yeah. this group it sounds like you're particularly isolated mm-hmm. um, the, the advisor was hands-off um, there's a feeling that um, people were expected to work alone. Mm-hmm. And when you try to join projects, people told you, no. Yeah. You can't join. Because, oh, we are overbooked <laughs> or overbooked. something. Yeah. yeah, whatever that means. We don't need, we don't need your help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, were you talking to people about this? Like, whether it's friends or other faculty? Mm. Yes. I was talking um, to my now current advisor because he's just a very approachable person in general. Um, And we sort of, he knew of my existence from uh, a committee that I was a part of. So, um, so yeah, he seemed like um, the right person to go to talk to. Like he was definitely comforting. And uh, he, uh, we talked about strategies of how we can make it work, but, <laughs> I, you know, uh, I tried, but nothing worked. I think it's super important that you talk to a faculty member. Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't do that when I struggled in grad school, and I think yeah. that was a mistake. Yeah, I think you should also uh, consider your thesis committee for that, because that's what they're there for, to look out for you if you're going through troubles, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you do decide to leave this group, did something happen that sort of sparked 
you don't mm. you know it's it, you don't have to talk about this but if you want to yeah i literally just woke up one morning and i was like this is not going to work i literally slept on it like i was considering it but then i was like no i'm too deep into this and you know like i said you get into this uh, state of denial and you're like you're not you think that you would be considered weak if you don't stick it out because again it just it probably sounds irrational but i guess it stems from the culture of physics like i know there are people who were who graduated they were unhappy with their advisors but they sort of stuck it through mm-hmm. and i was and i was like okay i have to stick it through too like i just have three more years i can do it and then three years is a very long time <laughs> yeah but yeah at the time it seems like a manageable yeah but commitment. it's not it's really not i don't know if you've seen the meme but there's like a meme of a, a cartoon meme of a dog sitting in a burning room and then there's a speech bubble saying I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally sort of sort of like that. Yeah, everything's but fine. The, yeah. Like <laughs> but then I sort of actually went to therapy before I decided to do that. And then my therapist sort of pointed out, because I had mentioned to him that I'd lost like 10 pounds in two weeks. And then he was like, that there's something wrong with this. Like, if you are in a situation which takes a toll on you physically, then something must be wrong. <laughs> you should re- rethink your choices and um great so you had this outside perspective yeah tell you yeah because i was so deep and so stubborn and i was like i'm not gonna leave and then i just thought about it and my he also been through grad school he he been telling me for the last six months this is not normal the amount of stress you go like you cry every other day and then you're nervous going into meetings like sure there's some amount of nervousness but you are nervous as if you're going to like give a talk at a conference and Mm -hmm. it's just a meeting like there's something wrong like this is not how things should be like and then sort of hit home and I was like okay maybe I still have time I can make this work if I switch so so I asked you in the beginning about role models Mm -hmm. and people you maybe looked up to either historically or personally that encourage you to go into physics Mm -hmm. Um, and then you find yourself in a, in a situation that where you, where you kind of know that this advising, advisee relationship is not working. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have this interaction with an advisor that isn't going so great. Uh, what, what factors were, were keeping you there or preventing you from, from leaving? Yeah. So I mentioned earlier, like, you know, when you're in a burning house you still want to salvage it somehow and I was just like in this denial mode because I was trying to convince myself oh I like the science enough that should enough should be enough to keep me here because with the earlier advisor at the end of the summer because I only worked for for him for one summer I also realized that I didn't like the research all that much and so it was a combination of me not liking the research and just us being incompatible with each other, which made me leave. But in this situation, I was like, oh, I really like the work. It's so interesting. Sure, we don't get along, but the work is fun. And I thought of this other fellow graduate student who was also sticking to sticking with my uh, first advisor for the same reason because she liked the work she likes the work enough that she's willing to make it work so i thought of her as an example and then there was another senior graduate student who has graduated 
he had a very rough relationship with his advisor as well. And he, he liked the work from what I've heard enough to make him stay. So I was like, I can make this work. And that made me even more stubborn and wanting to not leave. So basically, you had, you saw people who were, who were making it work. Yeah. Um, their advisor advisory relationship wasn't great. Yeah. But they enjoyed the science that they were doing. Yeah. And they were sticking it out. Yeah. On the opposite side, did you, when you did decide to leave, were there people who affect, who you saw, like, well, they switched kind of late. Maybe I can too. Um, yes, there was one other person <laughs> who did the same. And I think she was the only resource and sort of source of comfort when I made this decision. And, um, she is doing great right now and she's on her way to graduate and that gave me hope that no I can do this if I switch it'll still be okay because I still not too late maybe if I wait another year it'd be not be possible I can like this is the time to leave Mm -hmm. if I want to so yeah I had sort of um, examples on both sides although what I did is not the most common thing that everyone does but like, you know, switching groups when you're going into your fourth year. But, um, you know, it's still possible mm-hmm. to yeah. make it work. And you're you're happier now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hel- healthier, yeah. I assume. Yeah. And I, I think that that's most important, in my opinion, mm-hmm. for what it's worth. <laughs> <laughs> and how did you choose um, where you would go next? It was like, you know, back to score one. I just shopped around. Um, for two weeks I did not go into work at all I was just like I need to be away from that place for for a while and then I just like shopped around emailed people um, just showed up at their office and um, I talked about what they were currently doing and you you know how picking advisors work like Mm -hmm. just how you do it in first year Um, so that took me two weeks I think three yeah before I made a decision do you have anything to say about this third advisor? Mm. Either either positive or, or not. Like. Yeah, I just don't want to give the impression to the listeners that it's always going to be bad. <laughs> it's like it's almost like finding your own rainbow will be hard, but you'll get there. Like things get better. Like currently the advisor that I'm with, like he's just a polar opposite of all the advisors I've been with. Like he's very approachable, very understanding. And um, he genuinely appreciates the fact that you're working for him. So that's that's really refreshing. Like he will constantly let you know that, you know, you're doing great. How does he what does he say? What exactly can you do you have an idea of like word as accurately as possible? What is it that he says that makes you feel like you're good, like you're okay? Like if I make like for like he's a very systematic person, so he actively wants you to like set weekly goals, and that's naturally how the type of person I am. So like we have very regular meetings, unlike past my past advisors. Like we have biweekly one on ones, and um, you know if he sees you met your goal, or if if even if you like made a very small scale sort of positive result, he would tell you, oh that's great. He will be excited about it. And that sort of encourages you, like looking at his reaction. Although I know it's like, obviously it's not enough to publish a paper, but the fact that he's so happy and excited about it means, you know, I can get more out of this. 
but at the same time he doesn't sugarcoat things which is obviously not what you want uh, your um mm-hmm. professional advisor to be like but um yeah he's 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 really sensible <laughs> yeah i think that's really great congratulations on finding an advisor that works for you yeah that doesn't happen to everyone took me three years but still <laughs> yeah and <laughs> and like some real personal like mental and physical health it's, it's no small achievement yeah <laughs> you know to be at a, such a low point and then still be able to find something that works right so coming back to this question of like mm-hmm. other incidents that you felt were discouraging I'm sort of more I'm most interested in like specific incidents that were that kind of illustrate mm-hmm. the culture in physics yeah I think that two jarring ones I can think of like where from this one particular faculty member that I whose course I took um, in first year but I didn't pass his courses and passing means that you have to have a B plus I got B um, in his semester long course and Whatever, you know, I was retaking it the following year. And um, the following year that I was retaking it, I was also part of a committee that he was also part of. And then we both walk out after the committee meeting and he sort of bumps into me. And then he's like, oh, you're still here? (laughs) And that was so strange. That was like a very subtle way of letting me know that he thought I I wouldn't make it that I would just fail out of my courses and then leave or something because I didn't pass his courses. And that was very jarring. I was like, oh my gosh, what did I do to you? (laughs) Well, why don't you like me? And that was very upsetting. And I think another incident related with the same person was we were talking about something about... Um, that had something to do with GRE scores and, you know, that's a whole other discussion, but, um, he was one of those people who really prioritizes, um, GRE scores as a measure of how, uh, potentially good an incoming grad student will be. And that Um, led to, I do want to interject here and say that there've been several studies that show that the GRE scores do not are not actually good, accurate predictors of mm-hmm. future success of scientists. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, graduate students in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so please continue. So this guy, ha- I don't, maybe he hasn't read the data, or maybe he has. No, he was actually one of those people who doesn't believe the data because a lot of these studies were conducted by um, psychologists and like people who do PER, and he thinks that they're not real scientists and per is physi- physics education no, he, research. He, he, he doesn't think that that's real he doesn't science. think it's real science. um he's one of those people so anyway so that discussion somehow sidetracked into him talking about not letting in that many students from liberal arts colleges because statistically it's been shown that they score lower um you know, on the gre but again that's a whole new a whole other discussion but he was like oh yeah we shouldn't take any more students from liberal arts colleges because I've had this one girl 
come to me. She's uh, from a, a, a small liberal arts women's college, and she cannot take in-class exams at all. She bombed all her exams, and I was the person he was referring to, and I was sitting, like, two seats away from him. And that was so embarrassing and shameful. Like, he just publicly shamed me without taking my name, but it was shameful because I was right there, and I knew I told him all of this in confidence that I have test anxiety and why I'm not doing great and how I can improve and stuff, and this is what he does to me. Like, he literally just betrays me and lets me know flat out that he thinks I'm not good enough uh, to be here. So that was really sad. Like, I actually cried after the meeting. So that was very... And also, like, second year was very tough for me, too. And I was still taking that course, like, retaking the course he taught me. So it was a very hard time. And he was still teaching that course? No, it was a different professor who was teaching it. But... You know, but it was the same course he was teaching and I hadn't, you know, passed yet. So it was like such a horrible time to let me know what he thinks about me. And already I had so much self-doubt and stuff after first year, didn't have friends. And he just uh, made it worse. Yeah. Yeah. Did you tell anyone about this? Not a faculty person, but I told uh, a few of my friends. Yeah. Have you thought about reporting this? Well, I did, but, um, and we also have a separate committee sort of that deal with, uh, um, you know, minority and diversity issues. But I, then I thought to myself that I can tell, you know, someone on this committee, but there is no way of directly accosting this person and telling them to just stop it (laughs) because a lot of the committee members are faculty themselves and faculty don't want to cross their colleagues for a student, you know, and I guess you sort of become an untold story. I mean, it's still an untold story, but so I didn't, I just thought it wouldn't be useful for me or anyone because he's just still going to be, the way he is because no one is going to go up to him to his face and just tell him to stop so no i did not report it after our conversation have you do you think you might in the future or for these reasons that you just said do you think it's like not worth it i don't know i feel like it's like old news (laughs) right now because it happened i think more than a year ago and again for the reasons i just uh, mentioned you know, I don't think it's productive unless someone can go to that person and tell them to just, like, stop being, being so horrible. Yeah, don't be a jerk. Yeah. So you're a graduate student now. You'll be graduating in maybe three years or so. Yeah. Do you plan to stay in physics after that? Mm. I mean, if you're talking about academia, no. And why not? I mean, that is something that I sort of decided a long time ago. I don't want to be a part of academia because a lot of it has to do with teaching and I don't have the patience for teaching. I think that that's just a personal thing. Mm -hmm. And I think it's still the same reason uh, that I don't want to be in academia. But um, 
whatever job I do get, I want to be physics research related. Like especially, you know, still condensed matter, working with material sciences or something. Still along those lines. Yes, I still want to be doing physics <laughs> in short. Along those lines, in your opinion, what makes a great physicist? So a great physicist obviously has has to be brilliant, meaning they have to be great at their job, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they have to be asking interesting questions, be creative. But on top of that, they also have to be a people's person. <laughs> they have to be um, compassionate, understanding, and supportive of a student who is willing to learn uh, without stigmatizing the student in any way. And that's what makes a great physicist, in my opinion. Interesting. And the reason I'm asking that question is because I feel like we have a lot of examples historically of the first two, mm-hmm. right? We have books and books and books filled with people who successfully meet those first two criteria. They're brilliant. They ask interesting questions. Mm-hmm. They personally, they, they personally made important contributions to the field. Mm-hmm. And then if you ask about how they treated people, you learn that they cut people down. Right. You learn they were they were horrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um do you think that last part is as important as the first two? Yeah, totally. Because just to be a great person in general, you have to be well rounded. Like no matter what you're doing in life let's say even if you're like in the corporate world if you're not a people's person you will not get the business deals like this is just how it works if you the same happens in science if you just think you're the smartest person in the room don't go and reach out and connect with people you're not going to make any more progress than you like you're not going to meet your goals Mm -hmm. and at the same time you will be discouraging you know, you know, people who are less senior to you, like people who will learn from you, like you're, you will hire graduate students who will work for you and they'll be too scared to ask you questions or challenge you if you are probably saying something that doesn't make sense. So we've talked a lot about your experiences, both negative um, and you've had these, you've had a handful of very positive experiences where advisors were encouraging, kind, um, can you imagine what has to happen in order to make or what could happen in order to make the physics culture better? Or can you imagine what what would you like to see physics culture become? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think the inherent problem with a lot of physicists is that they are on some kind of a high horse. They feel like if there's a professional pyramid, then they're like the pinnacle of that pyramid. And then they know everything because physics can explain most things. And with that idea, there also comes a sense of 
being an elite, like you are shamed sometimes for wanting to learn because otherwise because other people think like, oh, this is so obvious. You should be knowing this. Why don't you know this? And I think a combination of these both things sort of make the culture very aggressive and pompous at the same time. And I think th- th- that's also the reason why they, a lot of the minority people are shut off because they don't have the resources to sometimes get to be where they need to be knowledge-wise. And I think that's where you have this you know, gender gap and lack of minority students in the field. So I think, yes, I think people need to be more accepting of uh, where, you know, accepting of other other people's backgrounds. I think that has to do... And you don't just mean culturally, you mean in terms of what knowledge they bring to the table. Yeah, because that, but that, because that is somewhat tied to their, you know, economic background and their cultural background as well. So they need to be more accepting of people in general and willing to hear people out and not shame people for wanting to learn. Like what I mean is that if of for of if a certain professor thinks thinks that you know, you are not up to the mark in terms of knowledge and that student still comes to the professor and asks questions which you think are basic, you shouldn't tell that student that, oh, you should have known this. Why don't you know this? Instead of doing that, just, you know, start from scratch. We can fast forward all that, you know, corrosive, shameful comments and just get on with the learning because we are here to learn. Because... If everyone is intimidated by each other, there will be less collaborations and as a result, less learning and less scientific development. And we will lose out on a lot of potentially smart people. I agree. (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you think that change is possible? Mm. Do you see professors now, for example, the person who basically called you out without saying your name? Do you see someone like that changing? No. (laughs) It's too late for certain people like them because um, I think there's also a generation gap. I know like a lot of um, younger faculty members, they're beginning to, they actually take these problems seriously and they're beginning to realize that things need to change. And I know in the future we will have more sensible and understanding faculty like that, I do hope. I do, I do have hope for, for the future. And also, like, uh, people from my generation who will go out to becoming faculty, they are more aware about, you know, all these problems because they, a, lot of, a lot of these people themselves have gone through um, um, problems in this field. So I do have hope for the future. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, yeah. thank you so much for coming in and sitting down and talking about these issues. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to reach out about the project, please send an email to voicesinphysicspodcast at gmail.com. <laughs>